We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire DFS podcast for Thursday, May the 5th, a Cinco de Mayo edition of the Rotowire DFS podcast. As always, I am with my co host, the great, the one, the only, Mr. Benny Ricciardi. Benny, what's going on, brother? Hey, not too much. I uh, actually have a very important question for you today Coronas or Dosekis? Oh, you got to go Dosakis. The green Dosakis. Hey, I mean, it's Cinco de Mayo, you know? It's uh, it's the one day where we get to eat nachos and uh, drink Mexican beer and not feel bad about ourselves. That's exactly right. Maybe put a little lime in there and not feel like a, you know, a loser for doing that, which is always good. And, and, you know, the most interesting man in the world. So that's always a good thing as well. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not up for his job, although I hear he's retiring, but I do got the beard for it, so you never know. Benny, I'll, I'll just let, let the news out there now. I will be replacing him as the next most interesting man in the world. So, you know, it's going to be pretty cool. Now, <laughs> with that in mind, Benny, let's jump into this slate of 10 Cinco de Mayo games here. Uh, only one early game, uh, 145 start and then a... Uh, a 6-10 start, which they seem to be likely to do in Cleveland these days. Not really sure why, but we'll get into that. Let's uh, let's run through the slate real quick here as we start with the 145 start in St. Louis as Jared Eikhoff and the Philadelphia Phillies head in to take on the Cardinals and Jaime Garcia, the lefty on the hill there. Uh, then we have that weird 6-10 start, which is uh, annoying in Cleveland as the Tigers head in rookie Michael Fulmer. Uh, making his second start against Trevor Bauer in for Carlos Carrasco, the injured Carlos Carrasco. Then we head out to Baltimore at 7.05 as Benny's Yankees take on the Orioles' Masahiro Tanaka. 
against the uh, youngster Kevin Gaussman. Uh, and then in Toronto, as the uh, uh, Rangers head into town, a lefty-lefty matchup there with Derek Holland and Jay Hayhat battling it out. And then we head to Cincinnati for a 7-10 start. As the Brewers take on the Reds, we've got Chase Anderson taking on Alfredo Simon. I'm guessing there'll be some some bats you can play in that one, assuming either team has any bats worth playing. Uh, and then we head to 7-10 as the, the Diamondbacks head in with Robbie Ray taking on Adam Conley, a matchup of lefties. Conley, of course, has not given up a hit in a little while. Uh, and then we head into Chicago as the uh, the best team in baseball by a, a good deal. The Chicago Cubs host the Washington Nationals. 8.05 start. Joe Ross versus Kyle Hendricks. Righty-righty battle there. Uh, and then we head to uh, uh, Chicago again. Both home, both uh, Chicago teams home, which is a bit of a rarity. Uh, Red Sox, White Sox. Again, the battle of the Sox uh, as lefty Henry Owens takes on righty Eric Johnson there. And then uh, the last before the uh, late, late games, we go into Houston as the uh, the Mariners finally breaking out a little bit yesterday with a 14-something run barrage. Uh, had been struggling, but they take uh, they host the Mariners with lefty Wade Miley coming in to face righty Chris Davinsky. And if you haven't heard of him, we will tell you a little bit about him in a little bit. Uh, and then we head out for the two late-night games here uh, as a uh, uh, the Mets Take uh, head into San Diego to take on the Padres. Uh, a ten-ten start there. Uh, Jacob Degrom, the top uh, pitcher on the board in Fanduel for a reason, taking on this lowly Padres offense going up against righty Colin Ray. And then we round out the night at ten fifteen in San Fran as the Rockies and Chris Rusin take on the twenty million dollar a year man Matt Kane. Man, if I could make $20 million a year to do what that guy does. All right, Benny, let's uh, let's jump in. We mentioned that one-day game on the slate, the one early game, 145 in St. Louis. Jared Eikhoff against Jaime Garcia. What are you thinking about this one, Benny? Yeah, I actually don't hate Garcia here. He's a you know pretty solid pitcher. The lefty's been pretty good to start the season. Record doesn't really show it, but his, his other numbers kind of do. Um, and then if I'm taking any bats, I think I'm leaning a little bit more towards the St. Louis side. You know, Eichhoff has a little bit of strikeout upside, but the St. Louis offense is pretty solid. They've been putting up runs. Really like Matt Carpenter, lefty going up against the righty. Um, you know, his numbers against right-handed pitching are great. He's at the top of the order, should get some hits, walks, score some runs. You know, really solid cash game play. You got guys like Piscotti and, uh, and Gearchuk. You know, um, even Diaz, who they put up in the leadoff spot finally for yesterday. Uh, you know, I think there's a couple guys that you can look at on their team. On the Philly side, I mean, Odebel Herrera has had a great start to the year. And uh, Mikhail Franco is somebody else that I always look at. So if I'm taking anybody against Garcia, it's probably those two guys. But I could see myself not using too much from this. And honestly, I don't even know if I'm going to play any of the early start stuff. You know, I'll probably just hold off until tonight. Yeah, I think that's probably the wise moves move, especially not knowing where the lineups are going to fall this early in the day. I like Eikhoff. I like his strikes strikeout upside. His hook is is nasty, and uh, I, you know I would be nervous about starting right-handed hitters against him. But uh, I do love that they moved Diaz up. Who knows if that'll hold? That wasn't against a lefty, but. You know, all you got to do is hit 400 to get moved out of the eight hole, I guess, in St. Louis. So, um, but I agree, this isn't a, a game I love too much. Franco at 2,900, I think, is as long as he's that low, he's going to be interesting because he's going to turn it around. He's going to be better, and he does hit lefties well. So, you know, 
one of the days you buy it at twenty nine hundred, the next day it's going to be three thousand and thirty two hundred, and so on. So um, I, I like that value there. All right, let's go to this weird, annoying six ten start in Cleveland, as in no man's land here, as uh, rookie Michael Fulmer and. Uh, the Tigers head in uh, to take on the Indians and Trevor Bauer. Fulmore, of course, coming over the Tigers in that Ioannis Suspetis trade last year with the uh, Tigers, I believe. So, um, and and look good in his first outing. So, a uh, couple youngsters here. Which way are you leaning, Benny? Yeah, I mean, first off, I hate that six ten start thing because it basically takes that game out of all of all of the player pools. So you can't use any of the guys on this team really unless you're playing an early start game. So, you know, that's just my little rant, but that's annoying. Just start at 705 like everybody else, Cleveland. Come on. Yeah. Um, you know, so Come anyway, um, I do I do actually like Fulmer. You know, he's a, a good rookie, uh, came up. You know, he's got good strikeout numbers in the minor leagues. He's going to be a solid prospect. I think if you're going to go after him, you probably want to look at guys, um, you know, the two guys in the middle of the, the diamond are the two I'd probably look at. You know, Jason Kipnis, the left-hander, hits right-handed pitching really well. And then Francisco Lindor, shortstop batting in the three-hole, not something that you find in a lot of spots. So if I'm looking at anybody on Cleveland, it's probably those two guys against the rookie. And then on the other side with Bauer, Bauer has good strikeout numbers. He does tend to walk guys sometimes, and he also does tend to give up some home run balls. So I think I'd be looking for the big bats on Detroit, guys like Miguel Cabrera, guys like J.D. Martinez. I think uh one or both of them could get a, you know, could get a mistake from Bauer and park it in the seats today. Yeah, I, Bauer has clearly shown a propensity to struggle. There's a reason that they moved him out of the rotation at the start of the season, especially with guys like Cody Anderson winning a job, you know, and and Josh Tomlin. And Tomlin's been okay, but you know, Bauer's got all the talent in the world. So, uh, you know, the, he could he could go either way. He could walk the entire building or he could go out and pitch great. So I think that's going to be a, an interesting matchup to watch there. And, yeah, and Fulmer looked solid in that first outing. I think there's a bit of a stay away, too. Uh, I like Michael Brantley a little bit at 3,200. I don't think that's a very, you know, exor- exorbitant price. Uh, he's going to get going eventually. And, and put up some numbers. Uh, all right, let's head out to a 7.05 start in Baltimore as as your New York Yankees and Masahiro Tanaka take on the young Kevin Gaussman in the Orioles. Benny, the real question, are the Yankees ever going to score any runs? I wish I could say yes as a Yankees <laughs> fan, but I don't know. I mean, the offense looks... I mean, basically, this is, you know, and I hate to say it as a Yankees fan, but this is kind of like almost a throwaway year. I think they're trying to get rid of some of these big contracts, let them get off the books, and then, you know, have some money left over to go out there and reload and, you know, pick up some some new players. You know, it's actually been, been funny to see so many Mets hats walking around New York City right now when it used to be all, you know, dark blue and white. Now we're seeing the light blue and orange everywhere. So I know there's a lot of people that jump ship from the Yankees to the Mets, but... I'm staying with my Yankees. I'm going down with the ship this year. Uh, you know, I do like Tanaka in this matchup. He's five starts this year. He's been averaging a little over six innings, about a strikeout per inning. Uh, has a whip below one. His ERA is only 2.87. He's given up about two runs every time he goes out there. And the thing about him is he doesn't give up a lot of base runners. He is prone to giving up a home run every now and then. He tends to get tagged for solo shots, which is fine. You know, if you give up solo shots and you're only giving up two runs a game, you're still getting quality starts and keeping your team in it and giving your team a chance to win. 
But if you're going to look at anybody on Baltimore, I think you got to look at the guys that have the power to jack one out of there. I think there's going to be a lot of you know one for four kind of lines tonight. And if you can pick the guy who has the one for four with the home run from that Baltimore lineup, you're probably in a good spot. So Chris Davis, Machado, Trumbo, those would probably be the three I'd look at if I'm looking at anybody to go up against uh, you know Tanaka, who's one of the guys that I'm actually going to have some exposure to on the mound. And then on the other side with Gaussman, you know, he's a guy who's actually been tough on left-handed batters, and even though he's a right-handed pitcher, right-handers have been the way to go after him. With A-Rod on the DL now, I don't really see too many right-handed bats in this Yankee lineup, so I think the offense can struggle again. I mean, the best right-handed bat they have left is probably Starlin Castro, no? Yeah, I mean, Castro has been great, you know, for them. But, yeah, they've got nothing. And then, you know, A-Rod on the DL, he was one of the best – you know, power sources you guys had. I mean, it's really a a rough spot right now. And and Gaussman only at 6,500. And uh, personally, I've owned Gaussman enough in season long, even though he's only, what, like 25 or whatever he is. I've owned him enough in season long over the past three years to just for some reason have it out for the guy because he's never actually lived up to the billing. But he's looked all right so far. And, and, this is a bad Yankees offense right now. So I think at 6,500, Gaussman presents a decent buying opportunity. Yeah, I think the one tough thing about it is, you know, going opposite Tanaka, you're not really sure if the win is, you know, highly probable. So it's a lot tougher when, you know, I like using guys on FanDuel that I'm pretty sure are going to get the win. I mean, you can never be positive, but the win is worth just so much over there that you, you know, you really want to make sure that the guy you have is you know, a good favorite or or has a really good chance to win that game. Yeah, I I agree with you. I I don't think it ever hurts to kind of look ahead, but at the same point, and you said it in there, but kind of brushed over it, never play for wins in any sort of fantasy. But it is more important in in FanDuel daily type stuff to think about that than when you're drafting a season-long team. You can really kind of, you know, not let that – uh, steer you in season long because you really do need to build a, a you know a staff that that's deep and covers a lot of different things and and wins are so fluky but on a day per day basis you could do it a little bit better but again you know it, it's baseball it's 162 games all these guys all you know all these teams are gonna lose you know at least 60 ish games or more. Um, so, you know, it's hard to predict that on a day-to-day basis, obviously make the best guess you can, but I would not advocate chasing wins one way or another. Uh, all right, Benny, let's, uh, let's jump on uh, another, uh, there's a little animosity here between these two teams and seven Oh seven start in Toronto in the Rogers center as the Rangers head in lefty lefty matchup, Derek Holland and J a Hap. What are you thinking about this one? Yeah, you know, the last two years, uh, right-handed bats have done pretty well against Holland. 250 batting average, 120 uh, whip, 12 home runs in 77 innings. So that's really the way you want to try to attack him. I like E5 a lot. Um, Edwin Encarnacion, 359 Woba, 217 ISO. He's 5-15 against Holland lifetime with two home runs. So he profiles well against them, and we've actually seen him do it. And then Josh Donaldson, another guy, uh, 459 Woba, 369 ISO, and he's 6 of 20 lifetime against Holland with two home runs. So, again, two guys that, you know, stand out well based on their numbers and also have had some success against them. I'm not using Tulo. I'm not using Joey Batista. These two guys are just not right to me. Neither one of them swinging a good bat. 
So as good as Toronto was against lefties last year, I don't think I'm going to be stacking them up. But I will have some, you know, exposure where I add like Encarnacion or Donaldson to a stack that I have of, you know, maybe another team out there. Um, on the other side, J.A. Happ, <clears throat> you know, right-handed bats have really been the way to go after him. He's been, you know, tougher on lefties. And you look at this Texas lineup, it's very left-handed. You got, you know, Old Doors been leading off. You may see, uh, you know, the Shields in there instead today. Uh, Nomar Mazara hitting second's a lefty. Prince Fielder hitting third is a lefty. Moreland hitting fifth is a lefty. The only guy that really profiles well against Hap, I guess, would be, um, you know, Beltre, who's 394 over 222 against left-handed pitching are, you know, pretty good numbers, although he hasn't been great this year to start at the beginning. But I think that Hap is actually in a, a sneaky, decent spot here. Because, like I said, he's going up. He's tough on lefties and going up against a very left-handed lineup. So that's something interesting to me. Yeah, one more name you miss in there who I like for that reason. Uh, Ian Desmond actually heating up a little bit. He's bad. He's got a 454 Wobo over his last 14 games. Still priced pretty reasonably at 3300 uh, And he's been killing left-handed pitching all season, not just when heating up. He's got a 414 Woba, a 308 ISO against lefties this year. So... I think Ian Desmond's a really, really nice play at 3,300 in an outfield position where there's a lot of high-end talent, but not a ton of guys in that, you know, 3,000 to 3,400 range that I love. There are a few, but but I think that he's a nice option in there. Uh, otherwise, I agree with everything you said, especially the E5 call. I like that as well. Uh, and before we hop to the Brewers and the Reds, a little inside baseball. Benny, we made it past the part where Skype crashed on us last time and, and are now recording new stuff, which is fun. Went a little inside baseball there for everyone. The, fir- the, fir- <laughs> the first attempt, Benny and I made about halfway through the pod and... Boom, crash. So we're hoping it makes through this time. We're, we're doing well, Benny. With that in mind, let's hop to Cincinnati and get past where we were before as the uh, Brewers head into town. Chase Anderson against Alfredo Simone or Simon. I always like to go Simone, but I think it's Simon. Yeah, um, you know, you church it up a little bit. It's nice. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I mean, I think you can go for hitters on both sides of this game. You know, Chase Anderson's not really all that great. And he actually is a little bit of a reverse splits guy, too. So right-handed bats have, have a higher average and more home runs against them recently. So I think both the righties and lefties are in play. I mean, on Cincy, their best hitter is Joey Votto, so he's always somebody worth a look. Uh, 408 Woba, 233 ISO against um, right-handed pitching. You can look at guys like Suarez and Cozart, I think, had home runs yesterday. You know, they're two guys up there at the top. Jay Bruce has a little bit of home run upside for a tournament. I don't know how many of these guys I would take in cash outside of Otto, but, you know, for a tournament, I guess you can go that way. And then, um, you know, with your boy uh, Simone, Simon, however we're going to say it, you know, he, he's been one of the worst pitchers on the mound in 2016. 13 innings pitched, he's given up 20 earned runs already. So Ryan Braun, 369 Woba, 210 ISO, think he's in play. Uh, you know, Chris Carter's on a tear right now, nine home runs and 87 at-bats. You know, he's basically matched the numbers put up by, uh, you know, Bryce Harper, if you can believe that or not, to this point of the season. So, you know, Carter has the home run upside. He's in play. Luke Roy, one of the few catchers hitting in prime real estate in the three or four spot in that order. Uh, you know, he's somebody else you can look at. And then Jonathan Villar, who's been leading off for them, the shortstop. Uh, he's averaged, I think he's averaged over 15 fantasy points over the course of his last six games. He's still pretty cheap on most of the sites. I don't think they pushed him up uh, all that much. So 
He's somebody else that's worth a look. I think you can stack up, you know, as bad as uh, Alfredo Simon's been, I think you can stack up some of these Milwaukee bats. I know people are going to start talking about, well, Milwaukee's so bad against right-handed pitching. But there comes a point where that right-handed pitcher is even worse, and they're still able to put up some runs. And I think that's what we're going to get here in this game. I feel exactly the same way. I would I would start my mother against Alfredo Simon. That's how bad that guy is. I'm with you 100%. I think you feel confident rolling out any Brewers. Uh, I love the Villar call as a cheaper option, too. I, I think that's great. And, and look, the, if, if only the Reds had some hitters as well because Chase Anderson, not exactly, you know, shutdown type pitcher, but agreed, uh, I certainly am am leaning more towards the Brewers side of this as well. Benny, before we get into a matchup that does have a pitcher that I, I do like as opposed to that last matchup, just want to remind you as always that MLB season is here, and that means that daily fantasy baseball is back. Go to FanDuel.com. Building a team is easy. Just pick your players, stay under the salary cap, and sit back tonight and watch your team win. Entry fees start at just $1 so anyone can play. I, I, you know, if I can play, anybody can play. Uh, it's just the best. Uh, you know, the best thing is really just not having to deal with injuries, not having to deal with, you know, you've got a guy who's in a slump. You can just say, huh, see ya. You're not on my team tomorrow. It's great. It's great. It's it's such a, a nice way to, you know, a different way to play and really a compliment to season long. So I, I'd really recommend it to everybody. Uh, and look, join over the one million other users, over a million other users who've already won money. Uh, so it's never too late to join. You can come and play with me and Benny every day over at FanDuel.com. So go to FanDuel.com and click the microphone in the upper right-hand corner and use my code RWPOD to sign up now. A special offer for new users. You can get a six-month free RotoWire subscription. Free for a $25 deposit. So if you sign up with my code, RWPOD, that's over $60 in value for just $25. And you get to play, which is fun. So you're paying for fun. Uh, so don't forget to use my code, RWPOD. Again, that's RWPOD. FanDuel.com, where every day is a new season. That's FanDuel, F-A-N-D-U-E-L.com. Okay, Benny, another 7-10 start. This one actually has a pitcher that I like in it. A uh, uh, guy coming off uh, a little no-hit action as uh, Robbie Ray takes on that, that one Adam Conley coming off 7.2 no-hit innings his last outing. Uh, Robbie Ray, also an interesting lefty, has, has shown some strikeout potential as well. Uh, is that kind of the way you're feeling about this one, or do you see some offensive potential in this one as well, Ben? I mean, I think there's a couple good matchups that we like. I don't really love it because Miami's not a great hitter's park, and both of these guys do have a chance to strike some guys out. But, I mean, you look at that Miami lineup. Stanton has a 471 Woba, 521 ISO against lefties since the beginning of 2015. Although, granted, it's a small sample size because he missed a big part of last season, but he's been able to mash lefties his whole career. You know, you look at uh, Marcelo Zuna, 403 Wover, 325 ISO, another guy who hits lefties well. You know, Prado, Echeverria, both over 360 Wobas. And then JT Riamuto, you're getting a catcher that's been leading off lately. If I'm getting a catcher that's leading off at the top of the lineup, guaranteed an extra at-bat or so, and I'm not losing any points anymore for him making outs or striking out, you know, I think that makes him somebody at low prices all over the place. I think that makes him somebody that's viable too for uh, you know for Miami. 
And then on the other side, like you said, Connolly, he's had two great starts and two bad starts. So he had 30-something or 50-something uh, fantasy points last time out, huge game. But then he also had a game where he went negative and another game where he had like, you know, eight or eight or nine fantasy points, something something really low like that. So he is definitely somebody that is GPP only kind of boom or bust. If you're going to take guys against them, you know, you might want to make two GPP teams. You use him on one, and then on the other one, you use guys like Castillo and Goldie, uh, you know, Drury, Goslin, Thomas. You throw a couple of those guys in there, and, you know, you have the bats against them, and you have him on the other one. This way, if good Connolly comes, one of your tournament teams does well, and if bad Connolly comes, your other tournament team does well. So that's kind of the way I'm looking at him. And that's why he's the best. It's great advice there, Benny. Seriously, really, really good advice. Um, I feel the same way, though. I do love Conley, and, and you know, and, and like you said in a tournament there, I think you know at sixty eight hundred, that upside with with the strikeout potential, the twenty five point five percent K rate percentage this season is is really impressive compared to what he's been. And you usually don't find someone with that kind of K upside at $6,800. So, um, yeah, I love it. I, the matchup, not great. Arizona, obviously, significantly better against left-handed pitchers than righties. But I, I think for me in that game, I, I, I really love the way you laid that out. I think everyone should listen to Benny and, and really play blo- play both sides of that in some tournaments. And I think guys like Stanton, I mean, Stanton's a perfect GPP play tomorrow. I mean, he is just like a lock. You know, you don't think it, but I mean, Robbie Ray struggles against righties. It's just a, it's just a really good matchup for Stanton. Um, so, so I really like that play as well. All right, Benny, let's uh, let's dovetail into the eight oh five action here as we get a uh, the marquee matchup of the night, I guess, in terms of of the teams themselves as the the Nationals take on the Cubs. At 8.05, Benny, we've got Joe Ross against Kyle Hendricks, two righties. The Cubs have a plus 90, what is it, 93 or something run differential? What? What is that? On May 5th, they've got a plus 90? Who does that, Benny? I mean, and that's basically the reason. You know, I like Joe Ross as a pitcher. He's a guy we've talked about in the past, but you can't use him today. You can't put him up there against this team. They got patient hitters. They got solid hitters. The lineup is long from top to bottom, you know, other than maybe David Ross or who's the other one, Montero. They got to catch, you know, other than maybe the catcher spot, they have seven solid bats in that lineup from top to bottom. So really there's no weak spots. There's no letdown. There's no easy part for a pitcher to just, you know, get a couple easy outs and have an easy inning. You never really get a breather against them. And the middle of that order is just monstrous. So, you know, I can't really use Ross. I'd be fine using the Cubs because they're just putting up so many runs. You know, guys like Rizzo, guys like Bryant, uh, Tommy LaStella, all these guys should be in a good spot here against the right-handed Ross. And then on the other side of this game, you know, Hendricks is actually tough on right-handers. Left-handers tend to hit him about a 270 average over the last two years and, a, you know, much higher home run rate. So I think that puts Harper in play, 465 Woba, 365 ISO. Those numbers are just eye-popping. Um, and Daniel Murphy, who's hitting like 370 to start the year, 356 Woba, 200 ISO guy. So he's got a lot of pop for a second baseman. I would look at those two guys if I'm going to use anybody. But honestly, I kind of like Hendricks a little bit in this matchup too. I think that that Cubs offense is just too good. I think the win is almost guaranteed for him. 
And like I said, the matchup for Hendricks is a lot better than the one for Ross. So as much as I like Ross, he's going to be nowhere near my lineups today. I agree with a lot of what you said. Daniel Murphy actually batting 398. All right, let's not sell the man short. All right, 398 on May the 5th. Uh, yeah, I actually, Murphy, uh, I actually, I write the uh, the Thursday FanDuel piece over at rotowire.com, the FanDuel picks, and I put Murphy in there at second base basically just for the premise that he is the fifth most expensive second baseman and he should be first, period. That's it. Like, I don't. I don't care. Like he's bad. He's got a 4.44 woba this season. Uh, you know he's uh, he's still four hundred dollars cheaper than Altuve, and I get that. But I mean a 2.43 ISO against right-handers. He's just crushed every. The dude went four for five with four runs scored, three RBIs, and a home run yesterday. And I know that's just one game, whatever. But the point is, is He's putting up numbers every single day. So I I think as long as you're getting any sort of discount on him at second base, especially against a right-handed pitcher, I think you just got to roll him out there. Uh, and I agree with the Harper call as well. I mean, look, same same deal. You know, Harper being, what, 4500 Anytime he's not the most expensive player on the board. And I know he's been slumping a little bit, but hitting a little bit better lately. Homered yesterday. <clears throat> So getting back in the action there. So I agree with everything you just said. Uh, I love the Cubs against Ross, even though Ross is a good pitcher. I love them every single day out there. Javier Baez at 2,500, a nice buy, even though I would tend to, to lean lefty over righties. Ross really tough against right-handed hitters. But even still, uh, I think at 2,500, Baez is still, uh, if he's in the lineup, you know, a little too good of value to pass up. All right, uh, we, let's head on to the Battle of the Sox as we stick in Chicago at 8-10 start. Lefty Henry Owens against righty Eric Johnson. A couple of youngsters here, Benny. Yeah, you know, I was – Henry Owens is not great, so I was looking for guys to target against them. But when I was looking through the numbers for Chicago White Sox, they don't really hit left-handed pitching all that hard. So the only guy that kind of stands out to me is Todd Frazier who flies way under the radar right now. I mean, he had a big season in Cincy last year, kind of off to a little bit of a slower start in Chicago, although he's been picking it up lately. So, so for tournaments, I think a little Frazier exposure is not the worst thing I've ever heard of. And then on the other side of the game, Eric Johnson, you know, limited innings pitch, but left-handed bats have really taken him to the woodshed so far in his, uh, you know, major league innings. I think David Ortiz, 420 Woba, 326 ISO against righties, definitely somebody that's in play. I like Travis Shaw at third base as well. Don't like the fact that they've been hitting him sixth lately, but if he's moved up in the order a little bit, like if Ortiz is third and he's hitting fifth, I kind of like that. And then uh, maybe even Dustin Pedroia, who's kind of been pretty hot. He's been getting a lot of hits, somebody that is a little bit cheaper at second base on some sites and does tend to go you know, a little bit lower owned than you would think he should be for a guy who has this kind of pop. He would be the only other guy that I'd look at there. But I'd rather stay towards the lefties. I think that's really the way you want to go after Eric Johnson. Although in his major league innings, he hasn't really shown us that he's good at getting righties out either. Yeah, 418 Woba allowed to lefties, granted a small sample size. Uh, Jackie Bradley at 3,100 has hit righties well and been good this season as well. Nice value there. All right, 810 start in Houston. Wade Miley, the lefty, taking on Chris Davinsky, a.k.a. someone I hadn't heard of very much before I uh, I dug in. What do you think of this one, Benny? Are you stacking some guys against Davinsky? I, I want all the bats on both sides. <laughs> all of them. Every one of them. But, um, you know, Miley, um, in all seriousness, Miley's a guy, right-handed bats hit 270 against him with uh, about a one-and-a-half whip almost last season. 
So Altuve hit four, you know, had a 420 Woba. In 2014, he hit over 400 Ted Williams-like against left-handed pitching. He's got eight home runs already to start this year, pop out of the second base spot. I know his price is getting sky high, but, man, has this guy been – he's been paying it off. He's actually – I was surprised the other day. I was looking through a slate. He actually was the highest average fantasy points per game, including guys like you know some of the big stud first basemen and some of the big stud outfielders that we talk about every day, which was kind of shocking to me is that he is that much better than everybody else at the second base position that – you know, and last night too, he had thirty, you know, forty fantasy points, something crazy like that. He he's winning you tournaments, so he's a guy that I think you got to figure out a way to get in there. Uh, George Springer, four eighteen Woba, two fifty eight ISO. He's been good. Correa, another guy, really good against lefties. So like the whole top of that order. And then on the other side, I mean, if Seth Smith's in the two hole, I like him. Cano in the three spot, like him. Cruz in the four spot, I like him. You know, Davinsky, very limited innings in the major leagues, but what we've seen from him so far is he's not good. So take those bats against him and, and hope you get some upside. Houston's a good hitter's ballpark. Yeah, I did same. Same to everything you said. I'll throw in Evan Gaddis at 2,400 as uh, just a cheat. He's been terrible, awful this year, but still hitting 360 Woba against lefties. So, uh, you know, for a very cheap catcher option and a nice little play, but I agree literally with everything you said about this matchup. All right, Benny, let's knock out these last two matchups of the evening as we head to San Diego as the New York Mets and Jacob DeGrom take on Colm Ray and the Padres. DeGrom, you know, clearly you're sitting your Padres here. Yeah, I mean... Chatwood and John Gray from the Rockies just won people a ton of money in the past three days going up against San Diego. DeGrom is actually a stud pitcher going up against them now. The thing I think people are worried about is he hasn't thrown, you know, 100 pitches yet this season, but his pitches have gone up each game. He got up to 99 in the last game. Remember, he was out on paternity leave, so it's not like he was coming back from an injury. Um, they were just taking it slow with him. So I think he's fine. Clear number one pitcher on the board today. I expect him to dominate. No San Diego bats. And then on the other side, you know, Colin Ray is not very good. He is a little bit of a reverse splits guy. So I think David Wright and Jonas Cespedes, are, who are two guys that, you know, aren't talked about as much against right-handed pitching um, for the Mets. I like both of them today. But I like all the lefties, too. You can throw Granderson, Conforto. Uh, you can throw in Duda, who had two home runs yesterday. Neil Walker, who's been hot to start the season. You know, I'm fine with all the Mets bats. Although, just keep in mind, it's in San Diego. Not really a great hitter's ballpark. Um, love DeGrom here. Would use some of the Mets. Not touching anything on either side for San Diego. Yeah, I, I think you got to. I mean, again, DeGrom, most expensive pitcher on the board for a reason. I like him. Uh, I would I would roll with a couple of Mets just on the, uh, I know Reyes reverse splits, but it's such a small sample size. It's hard to take those two seriously. Um, and there's just some good values. I mean, Duda at 3,200 crushed right-handed pitching this year and, and Conferto at 3,900, which we talked about the other day that he was up at 43, 44. And now at 39, I think that's almost just a value you keep taking advantage of because this kid is a monster. For, I mean, against right-handed pitching this year, he's got a 474 Woba and a 333 ISO. And he's a, what, 23 or so. It's insane. He's awesome. All right, uh, let's round out the eve in uh, in San Francisco as the Rockies head into town. Chris Rossin against a man who might be stealing money more than 
maybe just about anyone out there, Matt Cain, the $20 million man uh, who's been just god-awful. Uh, what, you're starting everyone here, I'm assuming? I mean, I'm not actually really loving a lot because San Francisco not a great hitter's ballpark. You know, you want the lefties against Kane. Well, actually, you know, the lefties have hit him harder. Uh, eight home runs in 41 innings the last two years. 313 Woba, 170 ISO. But righties have hit him well, too. So I guess you can look at basically anybody on this Rockies team. I really like Cargo, really like Arenado. You know, the guys that could take him deep and put up a big number. But Para, Paulson, um, who else we got here? Blackman leading off. I mean, all those guys are, are definitely in play. And then on the other side, you know, Chris Russin's actually an okay pitcher. Right-handed bats have a, a higher average and a, a higher home run against them. He's actually not horrible when he gets out of Coors Field. But, I mean, I think you can still look at some of these San Francisco guys. You got, uh, you know, Posey and Pence, some right-handed bats going up against the lefty. Uh, those two guys are probably in play. You'll probably get Matt Duffy up towards the top of the lineup. He's a cheap guy that has a little bit of upside that I like. So I don't love this game. I think there are better spots for hitters, but... You know, if you want to target guys against either one of these guys, I'm not going to stop you because I don't think either one is a great pitcher. Yeah, I'd, I'd go with some chalk guys here. I think Cargo and Parr are two names you threw out there I like, and and maybe even Brandon Belt on the other side of the thing. He's been hitting well and, and hits right as well. So, but either way, and at 3900, you know, it's it's expensive but not you know exorbitant. So, uh, either way, I think I, I, I agree with you as as you kind of nailed that there. And, uh, Benny, I, I appreciate it. You can follow him on Twitter at BennyR11. You can follow me on Twitter at JamesSeltzer975, as that's going to do it for the Cinco de Mayo. Oh, that was pretty good, right, Benny? That was all right? That was all right? Oh, that's good. I like it. Okay, good. I'm going to do it again. For the Cinco de Mayo edition of the MLB Rotowire DFS podcast. Uh, we'll be back with you tomorrow. Benny and I back with you next week as always. And we appreciate you listening. Good luck. Go out and win some money.